Let's open up to 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. That's where we're going to be today. The title of my message is Jabez, Jabez, the who, the what, and the why. Funny story, I will tell y'all. When I sent the message, the title of the message over to David to get everything put together, autocorrect happened. And it said, Janet, the who, the what, and the why. And David sent me a beautiful picture here of Janet Jackson on the cover of who, what, why. Thank you, autocorrect. I, I, I thought I had to share that with y'all. I thought it was really funny. So we will not be talking about Janet Jackson, but we will be talking about Jabez and the prayer he lifted up uh, to God in First Chronicles. Now, you know, there's many, many, many prayers throughout the Bible that we can, we can look at and we can model our prayer life off of. Uh, we see a lot of lengthy uh, prayers uh, in the book of Psalms. We see a lot of prayers where the prophets are real long. And uh, we, can, we can use those as examples. Then we can use real short ones like Peter did when he cried out to Christ when he was walking on the water and he said, Lord, save me. Just a, such a small, simple prayer, but so powerful and so meaningful to us as believers because that's exactly what the Lord did when we cried out to him. He saved us. And there's many other sermons on these topics of prayer. As a matter of fact, the first uh, sermon I preached here was on prayer. And it was the Lord's Prayer and about not repeating prayer and, you know, all these different things about prayer. So there's many sermons about that. So why do you suppose or why do you think that prayer is important? We see our Savior modeling prayer for us. He often would go off by himself to go pray, to commune with him and the Father, to pray for us, to pray for his disciples, to pray for those who would follow him in the future, but he would often go off and pray. So I'm thinking if our Savior would go off to pray, it would be pretty important for us to pray as well. I think we can all agree on that. And we can learn a lot from uh, studying uh, the prayers in the Bible. We can, we can learn the attitudes of the people who are saying these prayers. We can think about their circumstances that they were in and why they prayed it. And we can also see, I think, one of the most important things, God's response to those prayers. That can give us so much encouragement and, and just build our faith up, seeing from Genesis to Revelation, God answering the prayers of his saints and his people. And I think that can give great encouragement to us. And we see that throughout, throughout Scripture. And today we'll be looking... At this, I have a, I have a couple different sermons I'd like to do. To, so today is going to be kind of just an introductory into uh, the prayer of Jabez. But Jabez was definitely a man of prayer, as we see. And then back in 2000, if y'all remember, Dr. Bruce Wilkerson wrote a book on the prayer of Jabez, and it was a pretty big hit at the time. A lot of people would read into it, and it's a lot of positive and negative from that book. But I remember him writing; it was a big hit then. But when I was first introduced to this portion of scripture was by uh, Mr. Ken Wooten. He was uh, the, the pastor that came and prayed for me during my ordination uh, that came from Texas. And that, that's his go-to sermon. He loves to preach the prayer of Jabez. That's, that's just, just kind of his thing. So whenever I got to this portion of Chronicles on Wednesday night, I was like, you know what? I, I want to do a couple sermons on this. 
I think this, this prayer of Jabez can, can work in each and every one of our lives and make a big difference in our lives if, if we use the principles that are behind this prayer. So my hope is that we, are, we can be encouraged by the might of God because we're going to see the might, mightiness of God in this prayer and in these verses. And I hope that we can, like I said earlier, apply it to our lives, apply it to us as a church body to see God move on our behalf for his glory, not ours, but to move on, on behalf of us for his glory. So let's turn to First Chronicles 4, starting in verse 9. We'll read the uh, verses. It says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called out, on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless, my, bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So the first thing we're going to focus on this morning is the who, and that would be the person of Jabez. I think here in the West, we've kind of lost our sense of what names really mean. We look at Jabez, and we'll see in a minute that his name means pain. But we've, lost, we've kind of lost the sense of that. You know, my parents named me what they named me because they thought it was a nice name. It had no significant meaning, per se, to them. And a lot of us, especially here in America, kind of lost that. Uh, in my wife's culture, the names mean a lot. Whether it's a name you're given at birth or is a title that you receive later on, those names and those titles carry weight. Where we, we don't seem to carry that as much. So we're gonna I, I kind of did a research on my name and exactly what those names mean. My first name is Brandon, my middle name is Jude. Now most Catholics are gonna give you a saint's name, and that was my saint's name. Some of us may have the same thing here. Some of us came from that Catholic background. And then my last name being Gidry. So I was looking this up. And Brandon, one of the meanings was Beacon Hill. A place that intentionally attracts attention to a specific location. Kind of like a lighthouse. Then my middle name being Judah. Comes from the Hebrew word Judah. Which means praise. So my middle name was Jude. And lastly, Gidry has a dramatic root. And it can mean either hunt or like woods. So I'm assuming my family were outdoorsmen originally, maybe so. But I encourage y'all to go look up y'all's own name and find out the meanings of it, or at least the reasons why your parents or relatives named you the name you have. There could be a big reason behind that. But you, we know that Jabez's name meant pain. How many of y'all like to be called pain? That, that wouldn't be too cool. So these names mill some. Well, the, uh, the main character here we're talking about is Jabez. And the name was Payne. Can you imagine walking down the road and your friend says, Hey, Payne, come with me. We're going to go eat some pizza, Payne. Let's, let's go to my house and we can play some football, Payne. I mean, that's not, that's not a real good name to have. And I'm assuming the word Payne came from, his, from her, her, I'm sorry, his mother giving birth to him, probably in pain. Could have had difficulties during the birthing process. And that's what she wants to remember her son with, pain, for the rest of the life. I think we can think of other names to name our children and think of other ways to remember them. But 
So here we are, and mother's saying, can you imagine a mom coming to the door? Hey, pain, come in. Supper is ready. Come eat, you little pain causer. So it couldn't have been real good for Jabez coming up with that name like pain. It couldn't be good at all. But now we're going to talk about the circumstance in which Jabez came to us with this prayer. So now we see that his name was pain. We know that names mean something, especially in biblical times, that can make or break you in your life by the name that was given. And now we're going to look at the circumstance. G. Campbell Morgan said of Jabez, while though the genealogies and indeed through all the history, we are occupied with, the connect, uh, with those connected with the government and the procession of events leading to universal issues, it is refreshing to be halted by the story of one man who took his need directly to God and obtained an answer of God's grace. Jabez, it doesn't tell us that he was, has any kind of noble blood in him. He wasn't a politician, we don't believe. We don't believe he was a leader of any army. He was an ordinary man like me and you, wanting God to act on his behalf. That's all he was. And we go through these, we go through Chronicles. We go through Chronicles and we see, we see the first nine chapters of nothing but genealogies. And then in chapter four, this section pops up. That means God wants us to learn from these two verses. That means there's something that God wants to show us in these two verses. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been there. We would have just said Jabez's mother begot him and Jabez begot so-and-so. And we would have worked our way through it. But there's reason that is there. He was here during this time. He's asking God to accomplish something because the Canaanites were still living in this region. And it was no easy task to be able to get the Canaanites out. We see that even as we're studying on Wednesday night that David went in and captured Jerusalem. But the Canaanites were still in that city at the time and still had not been driven completely out of the land even when David was there. So this was a continuous thing with Israel because Israel would either give up or they would turn to the idols that the Canaanites had and worship them and forget about the true God. But we see here, we see Jabez calling out to God with his circumstance. Give me my territory. I would like to expand this territory. And so here we have Jabez was trying to do what God commands him and he cries out for help. It wasn't just looking at his holdings or his possession. He wasn't trying to get land just to get richer. He was trying to get land because it was God's will to get the Canaanites out. And too often we may, we may look at this prayer and think, well, he's just trying to get possession. <clears throat> he's being greedy, but he's not. The rich fool in Jesus' parable in Luke 12, 13 through 21, talked about him wanting to have too much and having to tear down a barn and to rebuild a barn to put all his possessions in. But those possessions amounted to nothing because his life was going to be asked of him that night. So when we start to pray this prayer, we should not be praying for, for us to be able to gain territory for our own riches and our own greed. But we're doing it because of why we want to do the will of God. And that's all Jabez was wanting to do here was wanting to do the will of God and get the Canaanites out of the land. So he was asking that God had him and for God to help him to do his part Jabez was praying within God's will. But here's the key to find that first part in verse 9. It says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. 
So he had other brothers that were out there with him, but it seems that Jabez kind of stood out to God above his other brothers. Adam Clark said this, On these accounts, he was, he was more honorable than his brothers. He was of the same stock and the same lineage. He had neither nobility of birth, nor was distinguished by earthly titles. In all these respects, he was on a level with his brothers. But God tells us that he was more honorable than them all. And why? Because he prayed, because he served his maker, and because he lived to do good among men. Therefore, he received the honor that cometh from God. In James 5.16, it tells us that an effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He was a righteous man. He was honorable in the sight of God. And we see at the end of these two verses that God granted his request. So there was honor in him as a person. There was honor in the prayer that he prayed to God because it was within God's will. So even with a name like Pain and his issues with the Canaanites, he was an honorable man. We can still be honorable men and women. No matter what the circumstances we may be going through, no matter what our past has shown. We may have had struggles in all kinds of areas in our past, but we get a new day when it comes to Christ. We get a new name and a new position when we come to Christ. We no longer have to struggle with the Canaanites of our past. We can move on with, with confidence that God is going to make sure that we become honorable men and women. When we're in Christ. Now we've already talked about his name a little bit. And how the context of his name could determine the outcome of his life. So there, if there ever was a guy that could be bitter. And not be an honorable man. It was Jabez with a name like Pain. Now there's a familiar and famous hymn in the church. That many of us at 40 years old and over, over may remember. It's called A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. so not so much a church hymn. But the story starts off, uh, the boy is named Sue, as in Susan. This is a name that his father had given him, and his father had left him. So Sue became a very bitter and tough person, and he's seeking out his father to bring him some pain, and finds him in a barroom, and confronts him, and almost beats him within an inch of his life, and then his father tells him, that life is tough, and that he named him Sue so that he would learn how to deal with this mean old world. So there was a reason to give him that name, was to make him a tough man. He, his father knew he wasn't going to be there with him to walk, him, walk with him through it, so he was going to give him this name to be tough. And this boy named Sue was a bitter man. He might have been a tough man, but he was a bitter man. But I think there's uh, other ways we can toughen our children up. We don't have to name them. Strange names like that. But let's think about Jabez. Could he have been a bitter person because of that name that his mother gave him? He sure could have. He, he sure could have went the other direction of where, the, where his brothers may have went. Because obviously his brothers were not considered to be honorable. But Jabez took the high road. Jabez was considered honorable above his brothers and his sisters and his other family members. And even got mentioned here in scripture so just realize your past does not determine your future. Your title that you've had when you were younger and you struggled with does not determine where you're going to end up. So never give up. We serve a big God. Amen. So
So by giving yourself to God, you can become all that God wants you to be. And he wants to make you. But we have to give our, our surrender over to him. We can't keep living for the world and expect to have all of God's blessing. It's there for us. And we're going to get disciplined, especially if you're a child of God. You're going to get disciplined by him, just like any good father will discipline their children that step out of line. But we have to walk in his ways, and we have to go along with his will. And Jesus had said in the parable of the sower that the good soil represented those who was of noble heart, who hear the word and retain it, and with perseverance produces a crop. Apparently, Jabez was just such a guy. And that is why in the midst of chapter 9 and the genealogies, he gets his special mention. The first nine chapters, we just talked about nothing but genealogies. But Jabez was a noble man, more honorable than his brother. So he gets this special mention. And he was, a, he was a man that did not let his name and his past define him. And we can't do that either. So we looked at the who, we looked at Jabez and who he was. And, and, and an honorable man that he was. And now we're going to look at the what. We're going to look at the prayer itself. And I want to take a few moments to look at his prayer. But I don't intend to get too deep into it today. Um, whenever I get the opportunity to teach again on a Sunday, we'll get a little deeper in, into these things. But there's a couple parts to this prayer. Four, as a matter of fact, we're going, to, we're going to speak briefly about. And the one is the first one. It says, oh, that you would bless me. We see Jabez asking God to bless him. I think that's an honorable thing to do. He's wanting God's hand on him. He's wanting God to bless him. I don't think it's wrong that we ask for God to bless us. Because the opposite would be, God, can you come and curse me? And I don't think we want any cursing from, curses on us from God. We want to stay within his blessing. But many of us don't. Many of us, whenever we, we pray and we ask for blessing, we ask for blessings for other people. We're quick to pray for other people's needs. We're quick to pray for other things, the needs of our nation. But we, we seem to not pray for ourselves. And I think is we don't want to seem selfish. We don't want to seem self-centered. But God wants us to pray for ourselves as well. We can't neglect that. And we see that right here with Jabez. And he's asking that God would bless him. Nothing wrong with praying that. And we, we ourselves, we can pray that as well. So just remember, God wants to bless you too, just not the other people you pray for. Number two, he says, enlarge my territory. Poole said of this, when he was undertaking some great dangerous service, in particular the conquest of the land of Canaan, therefore when he prayed, enlarge my territory, it was to drive out these wicked and cursed Canaanites whom thou hast commanded us to root out. And therefore I justly beg and expect thy blessing to the ex execution of thy command. This is his prayer to God, to help him as he staked out his property. The Canaanites were on the promised land that God had gave to, to the Jews. And his command was to drive them out. So we see Jabez asking God to drive these Canaanites out because this is part of your will this is what you told us to do when we went in the promised land. So now I'm asking you to give me a hand with this. And we see that happen. What about our territories? Our territories aren't the Canaanites anymore. Well, what other territories do we need to have this in our territories enlarged? Are we struggling with alcohol? Are we struggling with, with relationships? 
Are we struggling with our own inner sins that we, we battle day in and day out? What is it that we need to enlarge? What do we need to drive out of our territory that God has given us? Just think about that. That's a way to use this prayer. Lord, Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, I'm having issues with my marriage. Can you mend it? Can you fix it? Can you show me what steps I need to take to do this, to reconcile this with me and my wife or me and my husband? Lord, I'm struggling right now with sexual lust. I'm struggling right now with alcohol. Lord, what are the steps I need to take to be able to be free from this, to drive those Canaanites out? He's going to answer that request. He wants to. He doesn't want to see you struggling with this sin. He doesn't want to see you struggling with anything. He wants to bless you and enlarge your territory. So ask him. That's what he, that's what he wants from us. And number three, it says, let your hand be with me. This is recognition Jabez needs the working of God, that he cannot do it on his own. A lot of time as believers, and I'm going to speak about the West, we're self-sufficient. We're self-made men and women. We can do everything on our own. That's what our society would want to tell us, right? One of the probably biggest parts in a bookstore is the self-help section. Because everyone thinks they can help themselves. But Jabez recognized what? He couldn't help himself. The task that, that was given to him by God could not be done by him. He had to have God's power and God's hand on him. The hand of the Lord is a biblical term for God's power and presence in the life of his people. He wants to help. He wants to come in. The phrase of the hand of the Lord is used many times in the Old Testament, but a lot of time we hear about the hand of the Lord is in judgment towards somebody, especially in the Old Testament. But there are those times where his hand is upon his people and is there to guide them and to lead them and to help them and to give them the power that he only possesses. In Psalm 77:10, the psalmist wrote, I will remember the year of the right hand of the Most High. Here Jabez prayed in advance for something to remember later. Now how many of us in here have seen the hand of God move in our lives? And how many of us have not forgotten that God's hand has moved in our lives? Amen? Because that's something to remember and to keep our, it builds our faith up. We can look back and say, Lord, I remember when you did this here. So I'm having an issue now, so I know you will do this here now. Because I've seen what you've done in the past. The scripture, the, the word of God gives us plenty of examples on what God has done in the past for his people. And we can turn back to it and see all the answered prayer and all the deliverance that he brought to his people. And the ultimate deliverance is when Christ died on the cross for us and rose again from the dead for our salvation so that we don't have to face the pit of hell. That we can spend our time with him in eternity. And that's the ultimate thing we can look back to and see what he's done for us. Number four, he says... Protect me. So he asked for the hand of God to come upon him. Now he's asking for God's protection. Jabez asks to be kept from evil, that he would not cause pain. Some other translations rendered that with this idea that the pain Jabez did not want to cause was his own. He didn't want to cause his own pain. Poole said, 
He used this expression in allusion to his name, which signified grief. Lord, let me not have that grief which my name implies and which my sin deserves. Our sin deserves grief. Our sin deserves judgment. Our sin deserves the wrath of God. But he's asking God to keep him from that pain, to keep him from inflicting that pain on anyone else. And he's going to grant him that. I'm pretty sure that Jabez had recognized evil in this world because no doubtly he had already walked through a lot of this evil in his life, especially coming into the promised land and having to defeat these Canaanites. See that Jabez also recognized that he needed God to keep him from evil because guess what? We talked earlier, we can't keep ourselves from evil. We we're, we're, seem to be programmed to always run to what is evil and what is not good. We always want to be, we're prone to run into darkness. And Jabez is recognizing that he can't keep himself from evil, but God can. Jabez recognized that the hand of God to bless us can transform the evil and pain in his life. That evil and that pain and that hurt in our life can be taken away by God. Once you give your life to Christ, it's not an easy road, but guess what? It becomes a lot easier with him and a lot more comfortable with him because he wants to take that pain and that grief away. So we just looked at these four parts of the prayer that we'll cover later on in a little, little more in depth. But I want to move now to a very a brief analysis of this prayer. First thing we're going to look at is what is this prayer? And why was it prayed out? This prayer is, is, is on the most basic level. is basically asking the almighty God to move on behalf of Jabez. Jabez has a problem. He goes to the problem solver. The problem solver solves it. That's, that's basically what it is. It's a simple prayer. It's also recognition that without the hand of God in his life, he would, he, he would, he would have had it mighty tough moving out these Canaanites. It's a cry to the only, only one who can make mountains move. Christ can make mountains move for us. He's the one that can make a way where there seems there is no way. And he's crying out to the God that can make a way. The one that went before Israel. The one who was with Abraham. The one who was with Isaac. The one who is with Jacob. The one who led Moses and the Israelites through the wilderness. The one that can move mountains. If you have a problem and you have an issue and you cry out to the Lord, have faith. He can move mountains. He can move those issues out of your way today. He can move those issues that are in the future out of your way. But you have to have faith and trust in him. His prayer acknowledges the helplessness that Jabez had and the helplessness that each and every one of us have. Without him, there is nothing we can do. Even though we may do some things and they may last for a season, without God, it's, it's, it's nothing. So this prayer is simply a man crying out to God, asking for his hand to be with him, asking for basically victory over these Canaanites to expand the territory that he has and that it would not bring pain. And I'm going to tell you what the prayer is not. When I first heard this prayer, I was a little bit skeptical. and I mean, I've heard it preached so many different ways over the years. 
And I remember the first time I heard it, Pastor Ken, who we talked about earlier, preached a message. He said, hey, pray the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. That's his go-to prayer. Prayer of Jabez. You know, he likes to preach on that. But I've also heard the prayer of Jabez preached in a very, uh, how can I say, in the prosperity gospel. He wants to enlarge your territory. He wants to give you that Cadillac. He wants to make you have a million dollars. Pray to God for a million dollars. That's not what this prayer is about. See, I can never be a prosperity preacher, so it didn't sound too good. But I've heard it preached that way. So when I heard it, I was a little skeptical. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't want to say, eh, maybe I don't need this prayer in my life. Now, I was a young believer. I can use all prayer in my life. But at that time, I really didn't understand it. So my first impression, impression was just that. Is this one of those health and welfare, health and wealth and name it and claim it type of prayers that's being taught? But it's not. It's not at all. It is a plea to the Lord to intervene so we can accomplish his purpose. And how many of you know everything we do needs to be to accomplish his purpose? Not ours. His will, his purpose. It's also not a prayer that needs to be recited mindlessly either. So many people want to just recite this prayer for what it is and seem like some kind of magic formula. Something will magically appear and God's going to answer all my prayers because I recited this prayer ten times. That's not how it works either. I know growing up in the faith that I grew up in, we would constantly repeat prayers. But I would never constantly see answers to that prayer because God's not listening to prayers that are being repeated over and over and mindlessly. It needs to be repeated with, with a thought. Let's turn to 1 John 5, uh, verses 14 and 15. First John 5, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14, it reads, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. So it's saying if you ask anything to God, that we have the prayer answered, right? So if I ask for a couple million dollars, just a couple, I'm going to receive that, right? Is that what it's telling me? No, because in 14 it says, according to his will. Now, if he wills it that I have a couple million dollars, I guess it'll come true, but that's, that's living reality. That's probably not the case. So the whole point is that when we pray, we have to pray according to his will. Jabez was praying according to the will of God, because the will of God was to get the Canaanites out of the land so the Israelites would be able to possess that land and live there. So how do we know what the will of God is? Do we just, you know, yes, Lord, I believe, believe in you, so I'm going to pray for this, that, and the other. How, how do you know what to pray for? If you're going to pray within God's will. The answer to that is right here 
in, in, in the books that y'all are holding in your hand. The Holy Scripture will tell you the will of God. This is, we, we, this is what we pray about. We pray about God's will. and His will is found in this book. And that's what we need to pray. Every time we pray, we need to be within God's will. So I'm going to say this. Before you pray this prayer or any prayer, check your motives on what you're praying. Understand what you're about to pray. Ask God to help you in your prayer life to pray with a God-pleasing motives. Too often we, we, we can pray a sleepy prayer to where we kind of just pray, well, Lord, I need you to bless me with this, and oh, I need you to help me with this. And then we go on about our day. There's no power in that prayer. There's no, probably no sincerity in that prayer. It's just kind of let me, let me check the block. I prayed this morning. I'm good to go. But God wants this conversation with us. That's what prayer is, conversation with God. And, and Jabez was having that conversation with God. This is some big issues I have in my life, Lord. I need my territory to be expanded. I need these Canaanites out of the land. I need you to protect me, and I need your hand and your power to perform this. There was real meat and meaning to that prayer. Just examine the prayers you have. Is there meat and meaning to the prayers that, that you pray every day? Or is it kind of a just, let me check the box and make sure I prayed this morning, I prayed before bed? Paul said to pray without ceasing. Does that mean we're constantly on our knees praying? Is that, you know, constantly <laughs> crawling on our knees throughout the day praying? No, that's to be in an attitude of prayer, to constantly recognize that God is with us. And to constantly recognize that God is ready to listen to our prayers. And to answer our prayers when it's according to his will. And we know sometimes those answers will be yes. We Sometimes it's going to be no. Sometimes it's going to be maybe. Maybe it's going to be wait. But God wants to answer our prayers in his time and in his way. And we're reminded that here, there, that when we pray for anything, as long as it's according to his will, he's going to answer that prayer. He's going to make it come forth. Just like he did for Jabez, he honored that request because it was within the will of God. When I pray this prayer, I'm constantly reminded of the might of God. He's a mighty God that we serve. I think we, we don't realize that here on earth. We don't understand the might and power that God has. He holds the universe in his hands. The stars and the planets and the moon and everything that's up there is in his hands. He created all those things. He makes the earth stay on the axis that is on. Little to the left, little to the right, we burn or we freeze. God does that. But I think in our day-to-day life, we forget about that. We forget about the might of God. And we shouldn't because that might that he has is what helps answer these prayers that we ask. And gives us the strength to do what we do. And also bought us for a price. Amen. So the key here is we need to trust God. And know that he is able to accomplish these things that we ask him. We are to know that he is able to accomplish the will that he has for us in our lives. So now we've looked at the who, we've looked at the what, and now we're going to look at the purpose of this prayer. So what was Jabez's purpose? We've covered this in good detail already, but let me just summarize by saying that his purpose was to invite God to do his mighty work 
as Jabez sought to conquer the land promised by God to the Israelites. Ultimately, that's it. He wanted to see God work, accomplish his plan that he had, and that's what was done. So recognizing his need for the hand of God in life. But let's look at our purpose on why we want to pray this prayer and why. I'm not saying you have to pray this prayer, but it's just another tool you can put in your, in your arsenal to use for prayer. It's just another, 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 another item you can use for prayer. So in other words, why should we pray this prayer? The answer is real simple. We have a huge work to do in our area, whether it's in this church, whether it's where we work. We have a huge work to do as Christians, as believers in Christ. We're not to just get saved and sit on a couch and watch TV all day. We're to go out and to make disciples. Is that what he told us? The great, great commandment, right? He said, the great commission, he said, go out and make disciples of all nations. That's what he told us to do. So we're not to just sit still. And without the mighty hand of God, we cannot do this work. He's given us the work to do. Just like Jabez's work was to take the Canaanites out, he's given us the work, work to do in our areas of life. And we can't do any of it without God. Or even if we try to do it, it's not going to turn out the way it should because we're going to try and do it in our own strength. And that never works out. I'm pretty sure we could look back at our own lives and see when we try to do things in our own strength. It didn't work out too good. And if you're young and haven't seen it yet, you will. Life will show that. So we, we often try to do things in our own strength, and we, we can't. We need a hand of God. You don't have to turn there, but I'm, I'm going, just going to go ahead and read it. And that is Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, thy labor, is, they, thy labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You try and do it on your own, especially if you're a believer, it's going to fail. It's going to amount to nothing. But if you have Christ involved in it, and you have his power as you do it, you're going to have success and you're going to have victory in life. Amen? So we have to include Christ in all we do. So Jabez prayed a conscious invitation to God, inviting him to work in his life. You know, God is a perfect gentleman. He would never force his way onto you because that wouldn't be love. But when you invite him into your life and open that door when he's knocking, so many wonderful things will happen. His power will be with you. He will walk with you through that valley of the shadow of death every day. You have troubles, he's going to be right there with you. He's not always going to take you out of those troubles. He's going to allow you to go in there in those troubles and in those dangerous spots. But he's going to walk hand in hand with you through it and to guide you through it. And, we, and Jabez knew that this would happen. He knew that God's hand was going to be on him. He, he knew that God would walk with him as he drove out those Canaanites. So as you're trying to drive out the sins that are ensnaring you, he's walking right there with you. 
So as you're walking through the troubles you're going through in life, he's walking right there with you. And probably in some areas, he'll pick you up and carry you. Just like any good shepherd would with a sheep that may be going astray or in danger. So we serve a good God, amen. So just remember this too. The same God that Jabez prayed to is the same God that we pray to. There's no difference between the Old and New Testament God. It's the same one today, yesterday, and the days to come. The same God. So if he's going to answer Jabez's prayer, he'll answer your prayer. Just remember that. So in conclusion, we're going to talk a little bit here more about it. It says, so why not ask him to work? What's keeping you from asking God to work in your life? To enlarge your territories. To free you from the Canaanites. To bring a blessing upon you. To keep his hand on you. What's preventing you from that? We need him to work in our lives. We need him to make his vessels that are clean and pure and ready to be used by the master. You know, when I come up here to teach, whether it's on Wednesday or Sunday, one of the prayers I ask the Lord, Lord, use me as your vessel. Just clean, clean, clean me of anything that may be hindering me to get this message out. I'm not the best with speech. I'm not best in appearance. But, Lord, you can use anything. Clean me out. Put your spirit in me so that you can speak to the people. That's what I ask. And I think that's what any of us need to ask. Lord, if you're going to use me this week, cleanse me. Make me a new vessel, a new wineskin to be able to pour, pour your spirit into to be used as a vessel. Get me out the way. And that's what we need to pray. Let me encourage you to make this prayer something you can pray, pray daily. Use this concept daily. And again, this is not a magic potion. This is not a secret formula to get to God and to speak to him. But these are tools we can put in our arsenal to use for prayer. And I was preaching on Wednesday night. We were talking about prayer being part of our arsenal, our, our weapon. It's one of the weapons God gives us to raise our hands and to bring, bring prayer to him. Use this as another tool in that arsenal. But when you do it, make sure you're doing it with a clear mind. Make sure you're doing it with the right motives. You're not trying to do it to gain anything for you, but you're just trying to gain the glory for God. And that's what this prayer is about. We're asking God to do work that is bigger than we can imagine and to bring people to himself. So remember, repetitious prayer. Don't pray this repetitiously. Just use it as a tool. I will say this. God has brought me places in my life and brought me to people groups in my life that I could never have imagined talking to. People that are definitely on the regular I would not hang out with, but he's brought me to them to share the gospel with them. He's created opportunities to be able to share the gospel. And a lot of those opportunities could not have happened if his hand wasn't in it. Because if it was just me, I would have just left it alone and walked away. But when his hand is moving in your life and his hand is upon you, you're going to walk in the direction that will accomplish his will. And you're going to feel a lot better about it when it's all said and done, too. You're going to feel a lot better than you do trying to do it on your own power. Now, are there other prayers we can pray besides this prayer of Jabez? Absolutely. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Growing up once again, I remember saying this prayer over and over because that was my penance. Go say thou, Father. 
But that prayer is also used as a tool to put in your arsenal for your weapon of prayer. It is basically just a guideline of how you should pray. Just like this, this prayer of Jabez is, is a guideline on how we should pray. And we should use these things. The Lord gave it to us in Scripture to use. Let's use them. And as we close, let me just remind you of the three keys that we talked about. The first one, the reason God answered the prayer of Jabez was that he was a noble person. He was an honorable person. He looked up to God knowing that God would answer the prayer. He walked in the ways that God wanted him to walk. And he didn't let that name, pain, hold him back. That, that name did not define who he was. God gave him a name. He called him a noble person. So God is the one who can make that happen, by the way. Ask him. Ask him to make you a noble woman or a noble man. He'll do it. Second, the prayer of Jabez is not a prayer of greed, but rather a prayer of trust in the God who is able to make anything happen for his glory. We can't make a lot of things happen, but he can make all things happen. And we just have to put our trust in him. Third, we pray the same, we pray to the same God that Jabez prayed. He is no different in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, in the Testament we're writing today. He's, he's no different. It's the same God that Jabez prayed to. And we see that his prayer was answered. So lift up your prayer to God. He wants you to. It doesn't have to be the prayer of Jabez. It doesn't have to be the Our Father. But lift up your request to God. Ask for the blessing of God. Ask that God's hand will continuously be on you. And ask that God will continuously to work through you. He uses us. He uses the believers as his mouthpiece. He uses us to be a witness to the nations. Ask God to work in your life. Even if you never leave Lafayette. Well, guess where your place to evangelize is? It's Lafayette. Maybe he won't take you out of Louisiana, but you got all of Louisiana to go out and be used by God. Some of us say he may take us to foreign nations. <clears throat> and that'll be our, our workplace. But just realize God wants to use you where you're at. He wants to use you in whatever sphere of influence you have. So don't, don't, don't get upset if he keeps you here and uses you here. This is where he has, it, has you, whether you like it or not. This is where he's using you. Right? The book of Acts, it says, go into all the world, but starting Jerusalem, then Samaria, then to the ends of the world, right? Well, some of us have to stay in Jerusalem. Some of us get to go to Samaria. Some of us get to go to all the world. But don't worry about where everyone else goes. Worry about where God has you and him using you where you're at. So I pray that God would move in and through us using this prayer. And I pray that he, he works in and through each and every one of you where you're at today. In your Jerusalem, in your Samaria, into the ends of the world. Amen? All right. Father, we just uh, come to you this morning. And we do thank you for this prayer, this model prayer that, that we have to where we can ask for your blessings. We can ask for your hand and your power to be upon us. And that we can ask for our territories to be expanded for your glory, Father. 
and know that you will answer those prayers according to your will. So we thank you for this message this morning, Lord. We ask for your traveling mercies as we go home and blessing are all those who are here. In Jesus' name, amen.